from Wisconsin with a pastor with Elaine Allen. Praise the Lord. So this week I want to talk about some current events and some scripture. And I'll start, I'm going to start off with something that someone sent me about COVID-19. And they want to know about, if this article is talking about the vaccine for COVID-19. Could it be the mark of the beast? And this article came from ChristianHeadlines.com, and it said, could COVID-19 vaccine potentially be the mark of the beast as referenced in Revelation chapter 13, verse 18? So this author and Christian talk show host, Hank Hanegraaff, tackled that question on his Bible Answer Man broadcast recently following comments by singer Kanye West who said the vaccine would be the mark of the beast. <laughs> and Hanegraaff, though he said it would not be the mark, the man of the beast asserted it's symbolic. Mm, I don't believe that either. Say, well, say Revelation 13 and 18? Right. Revelation 13 and 18 reads, Here is wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and his number is six hundred three score and six. Okay. Now I, I don't. Believe I don't know about the mark of the beast being that number. You know, well, yeah, for yeah. COVID nineteen. Oh well. Here, here's the thing about the mark of the beast. It's tied to. A man. A lot of people try to say it's symbolic. A lot of people try to say it's a governmental system. But God said it is the number of a man. Now, you can't get the mark of the beast just by chance. That's the other thing. There's, when the Social Security number system came out, people thought that represented the mark of the beast. You can't accidentally get the mark of the beast. The mark of the beast is taken on willingly. When the people receive the mark of the beast, they are going to pledge their allegiance, their loyalty, their commitment to whatever this person represents, whatever government he introduces, whatever plans he uh, brings before them. The, the people are going to wonder after this person. The people are going to give this person the status of, of God. They're going to be deceived. Now, it's not like they're saying, Oh, I'm going to take the mark, and I'm just going to be, uh, I'm just going to go into perdition. That's not how it is. It's not like they're taking the mark and thinking, oh, I'm just going to be lost forever. No, they're actually going to believe that this man is a godsend. They're actually going to believe that this man is the answer to everyone's problems. Yeah, and I was reading too, like in the 13th chapter. Revelation verse 4, they say, And they worship the dragon which gave power unto the beast, and they worship the beast, saying, Who is like this beast? Who is able to make war with him? Right. So now, when people try to say it's symbolic, if, if they're saying, well, this individual represents a certain type of government, well, your systems are run by somebody. You know, there is a leader, there's a head. You know, there is somebody who calls the shots. And the Lord said, this particular person, now God didn't say it's just an institution, no. He said it's a man. This particular individual is not going to have natural affection, uh, 
he's going to be intrigued with uh, like the sorcery, the divination, science, technology. He's going to exalt himself as God. He, he's the exact opposite of Christ. Whereas Christ was humble, he's going to be proud, boastful. Whereas Christ, when you looked at him, there was nothing to be desired. If you just get this man of sin, he's probably going to be canceled. He's going to probably represent what's a man's man, but he doesn't have natural affection. Uh, for women is what the Bible says. And so this individual, all the world, you know, there, there, there are, they said there were two. One died and then it was revived. And then that's when they're thinking it's a system. Like the Roman Empire died out, now it's going to be revived. But however the revision is going to take place, there's going to have to be a man that heads it. And this particular man, the people are going to, as a world, they're going to, yeah, run after him. So when they take the mark, it's not by accident. So do you, yes. So do you agree with uh, this man's or this author's um, assertion that he said the mark of the beast is symbolic? I don't know what he means by symbolic. No, if he's saying symbolic in the sense that I don't know what he's saying when he says symbolic. You know, oh, oh, is he? I don't know what he means. By symbolic, he's saying that it's just out. Well, I think he, he goes on to say, and he says, the mark in Revelation chapter 13 symbolizes identity with the beast. And such, and as such, identifying with Satan's kingdom is what will keep you out of heaven, not getting vaccinated. Well, I, well, I don't know about whether it's vac uh, vaccine, whether you get vaccinated or not. I'm saying however it's going to be done. The people are going to receive it willingly. So people don't have to go around fearing that they're going to accidentally get the mark of the beast and then be uh, doomed and find themselves assigned to perdition and their souls lost because they accidentally got the mark of the beast. No, these, the mark of the beast, the whole world is willing. Young, poor, and a rich, old, male, female, it doesn't matter. They are willingly going to give themselves over. Yeah, they said, he causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their forehead. Okay, so in this article, Hennegraaff gave an example to support his view. In Exodus chapter 13, eating unleavened bread is likened to a sign on the hand and a reminder on the forehead of the children of Israel. And thus, the mark of the beast in Revelation is securely tethered to the scripture. But, but he gave a specific example, eating unleavened bread. There has to be something specific that a person can tie to that identifies that what they're doing is actually akin to receiving the mark. So it's something that the people are going to be doing that everybody else recognizes, just like you recognize that a person is eating unleavened bread. Just like when you recognize that a person is doing something that's outside of the will of God, but it has to be something that is unified. It's something that small and great, rich and poor, male, female, that they all do this one particular act that identifies them with the mark of the beast. 
much in the same way that people have a, a hissy fit about people not pledging allegiance to a cloth, like to the to the flag, which is like, yeah, like this is like a step towards idol worship. There is something that has to happen that has to occur so that a person will know this is where this person's loyalty lies. This is where their allegiance lies. And it's not going to be by chance. It's a conscious decision that people make. Just like when people stand up and they put their hand over their heart and say, I pledge allegiance to the flag. It's a conscious decision that people make. It's not by accident. So you don't you live your life in fear. You know that if you commit yourself unto the Lord, and that he's your God, and that there's none above him, there's none beside him, and that God alone is who you serve and who you love. You don't have to worry that you're going to accidentally get the mark of the beast because you won't. Your love for the Lord will prevent it. So do you think, uh, in your opinion, that it's an actual symbol that it, a person has? Or it, it, is it, do you think, something that people would be able to see? It, it, it's something that they'll be able to identify with that will set you apart. It has to be something that, and it can't be helter skelter. He said it would be either the, the name, the number, or the mark. There are three ways to identify. You either have the number, which is 666, or you have the name of the beast, or you have his mark. So he evidently he has a, a logo. So however, <laughs> however it is. It's something that people can identify with. And and they're going to do it with pride. They're, they're so, so you're saying it could be like, you know, how people support their football teams and, you know, you have the logo on T-shirts and caps. And, so you, you can identify a person, who they support, who they're for, who right. they're rooting for. It's in that sense. It's something that, and it's something that, I don't know what a mark could be. Right. It's a, but it's going to be something that connects all three of those type of uh, means of, to identify him. His name, his number, or his mark. So that when people see it, they're going to know they're all on the same team. The, the, the sad part about it is because they reject the truth, the Lord allows them to be given over to deception, and they deceive themselves, and they accept the lie. And by them accepting the lie and giving this person the honor that's, and the glory that's due the Lord and receiving the mark in their heart. See, when, when there is no there is no repentance or regret for them as far as their allegiance with the beast. They might regret having lost out and gone into perdition, but they'll never be able to say, I didn't love the beast. Because they didn't. They, get, they won't be able to say, Lord, I love you instead of the beast because they don't. Because they rejected the Lord, and by rejecting the Lord, they accepted a lie. All right, so he goes on to say that the taking on the mark of the beast is the intentional denial in thought, in word, in deed of the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Right, through, through deception. It's not like a person is getting up and saying, I don't believe in Jesus. I'm, I believe in Satan. I'm just going to go die and go to hell. No, that's not what they're saying. They're saying, this man is God. This, this man, who else can do miracles like this person except he be God? They're going to be deceived into believing that he is the Lord because they reject God himself. So they take anything else that comes in God's place, which is this man of sin. Because they don't want the truth. They don't want the true living God. 
They want their own interpretation of what they feel God should be like. Well, he has a book out. <clears throat> I guess he wrote it in 2007. It's called The Apocalypse Code. And he discusses in detail his view of the end times in this book. And I was thinking when I was reading Matthew chapter 24, and um, it was kind of, I don't know, I read it once, I read it twice. I mean, I read it several times mm -hmm. before it really sunk in what the Lord is trying to tell us. And it was the first um, 14 verses in chapter 24. And Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said unto him, See ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, There shall not be left here one stone upon another, that shall not be thrown down. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars, see that ye be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilence, and earthquakes in diverse places. All these are the beginning of sorrow. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted, and shall kill you. And ye shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And then shall many be offended, and shall betray one another, and shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall rise, and deceive many, and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations. And then shall the end come. So after reading that several times, you know, you, you start to really think about what the Lord is saying. It, it's like in verse 6, you're going to hear about wars, you're going to hear about rumors of wars, and you're going to you're going to hear all this, but don't be don't be alarmed because it has to happen. All this has to happen, but that's not the end of the world. All these wars that you see, you know, like people go through World War One or World War Two, and then you hear people saying, "Well, then there was the Vietnam War," and then now. You know, you hear every once in a while people talking about World War III, and then you say, oh, that's going to be the end of the world. That's going to be the end of the world. But, but I don't think so. I don't care how many wars that we have. That's not going to be the end of the world. And then it goes on to say, for nations shall rise against nation. Mm -hmm. So 
all these countries are going to be arguing, coming up against them. They're going to be fighting kingdom against kingdom. And I'm wondering, what is the equivalent of a kingdom now? I mean, I mean, I, uh, kingdom against kingdom. And then there's going to be famines and pestilences. And so here we are. There was a famine, you know, where in Sudan there was a famine. There was a uh, famine. And all these countries were, all these people in all these different countries were fleeing because there was nothing to eat. There was, you know, and then it says, and pestilences. Right. And we're like in the middle of a pestilence, I would say. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and when you have, and when you have war and you have death, you're going to have pestilence. If you don't have people who are able to take care of their dead, you have massive starvation, whether it's man-made or whether it comes through uh, by natural means, you end up with pestilence. And then it says, and... After all this, then you're going to have see earthquakes yeah. all over the place. You're going to have all in diverse places. And then what really stuck with me was verse 8. All these, all the things that you hear, the wars, the rumors of wars, the pestilence, the nations rising against nation, kingdom against kingdom, famine, pestilence, earthquakes, all of that... It's just the beginning Which, of sorrow. Right. So it's just the beginning. Right. So we, I think we hit the beginning and we're past it. Because we're at that point where they would deliver you up to the afflicted. We get into that point. So verse 9 says, Then they shall deliver you up to the afflicted. Now, people are being persecuted all over the world. People are being persecuted. And then, and they will kill you. And they are. And they're killing people all over the world in right. different countries. And they have different means of killing. It's like they're trying to kill, uh, kill the influence. Right. They don't want the, the, the integrity of the scriptures. They're trying to kill the sovereignty. They're trying to uh, play down the sanctity of the Lord. And so they're trying to kill the, the Christian influence. So someone sent me a couple of articles about uh, one where this man died uh, and before he died he's an Indian in India and he said never he's telling his wife before he was killed never give up your faith in Jesus he tells his wife before a Hindu mob murdered him Right. And then somebody else sent me an article. In India, they have terrible. Oh, yeah. India, uh, China, uh, even in the United States. I mean, Christians are suffering. And, and, and the reason why he told her that is because the next step, and then she'll mean to be offended, meaning there are going to be a lot of people who are going to deny their faith. They're going to deny the Lord. So I don't understand the word offended. You know, like if backfire. somebody says somebody, something to me, that could hurt my feelings. I'm offended. No. But that's not what offended, offended means in the means, Bible. Offended means to step out of the will of God to, to deny the Lord. It's like you, you become offended, so you backslide. That's what he's talking about when he says offended. You deny your faith. You, you reject Jesus. Right, right. So you, like that's, you what Peter, that's what Peter did 
when he denied Christ, right. when Christ was being yes. offered up to be crucified. He became offended and, and got cursing and I didn't know him, so he denied him. But he repented. But there are going to be people, they're going to be offended and they're going to betray one another and they're not necessarily going to come to a state of repentance. They're going to, because they're going to end up rejecting the truth. Peter accepted the truth even though he had sinned. But they would rather believe a lie. The reason why the false prophets, which is what we're getting now, why they're so successful is because people don't want the truth. You tell them the truth, and they do like they did Jeremiah. The Lord didn't say that. They tell you in a minute. Oh, I mean, then they make it a racial thing. It's, it's, it's the white man's Bible. I said, where do you get that nonsense it's from? It's Christianity and all that. Right. Well, we're going to get to that. So then it says, then shall many be offended and shall betray one another. He won't be able to, you won't be able to trust anybody. Not, you can't confide in anybody. You have to trust the Christ part in them. See, that's where the fruit of a person becomes important. You have to know their fruit. And, and the Lord said, if you see a person that does righteousness, he said, then you know that person is in the will of God. You know, he talks about that in the book of John, uh, First John. If you see somebody and they're actually doing the will of the Lord, then you know that they're righteous. You know them by their fruit. Now, we realize when a person receives the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and it's evidenced by speaking in tongues, but how do you know a person is still saved? By how many tongues they speak? No. By their fruit. So you have to know them to labor among you. And if they, if their fruit shows righteousness, righteous fruit, then you know that person is saved. You just can't, it, it's right, you just can't confide in anybody, you have to confide in somebody that you know is saved. And that's the works. Right. And they will say on faith without works, but that's the works when you're doing the will of God. Right. So the next verse in 11 says, and many false prophets shall rise and deceive many. Right. And so some people say, oh, it's not fair, they were tricked. I said, but the reason well, I don't know if they're tricked, you know, and this brings me to another topic. Because somebody sent me this article about um, who are the black Hebrews, who are the black Israelites, and I'm think when I, I read that article and I'm thinking I don't understand that and I and I'm reading it and but but this, it coincides with this with this chapter in uh, Matthew, many false. Prophets shall arise and shall deceive many. So people are easily deceived. Because they um, reject the truth. See, they would not be deceived if they would embrace the truth. And see, a lot of people, I've, I've, I've heard people try to justify and feel sorry for the people because they said they were tricked, they were deceived. That's, how, that's what Esau tried to get away with. Said, but the reason why you're being deceived is because the Lord just steps back and he removes their hedge of protection because you keep rejecting the truth. Well, it's like he gives you that strong delusion. Right, and that strong delusion comes from the person. All right, I got a question, but I'm not going to be able to ask it uh, until next program because we're pretty much out of time. And we'll have to continue with chapter um, 24 of Matthew next week. Yes, praise the Lord, and let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Today's verse of the day comes from Romans 8 and 6. For to be carnally minded is death, 
but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Now, ain't God all right? God, God is, is all right. right. Praise the Lord. Last week's food for thought was, who does the Lord reveal his secrets to? And the answer is his servants, the prophets. And that can be found in Amos chapter 3, verse 7, which reads, Surely the Lord God will do nothing, but he revealeth his secret unto his servants, the prophets. This week's food for thought is, when Joshua sent two spies to view the land of Jericho, they were hidden by Rahab. So where and how did she hide them? Hint, the Bible. And that's food for thought. 